Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? It is your host, Mason Pierce, and we are back at it again with another episode of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. Guys, do we have a decent amount of college football news to talk about? Most predominantly, it's going to be involving the transfer portal with a couple of actual commitments, you know, pretty high star, you know, four star recruits. So we will get into that to start off the episode. Then towards the middle of the episode, we'll talk about a couple um, trade rumors that are going on right now. A decent amount of players have gotten their fifth-year options and their contracts picked up. And then to end the episode, we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, the whole Brooklyn Nets situation, you know, why they did get swept by the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum. And then the final topic that we will talk about in today's episode is how, you know, the New York Mets, they, they made a complete 360 compared to last season, and they are currently 13-5 and right now, you know, leading the NL East. Now, guys, I hope you all have had a fantastic start to y'all's week. I know I definitely have. I've been going to a lot of baseball games, watching a bunch of the NBA playoffs, and I just hope you all have been doing great, whether it's work, school, whatever it might be. I hope you all continue to strive and do amazing things. But before we do get into today's episode, I do want to ask you all to please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover 7 with Mason Pierce. As always, I'll make sure to leave both the links down in the description below. And guys, let's get into today's episode. Now, for the first college football news we have, it's actually going to be a, a high school commitment. Now, this is coming out of this, now this is coming out of Las Vegas, Nevada, specifically Bishop Gorman High School. Four-star cornerback Justin Rett. He has committed to the University of Georgia. Now, Justin is the number 107th ranked recruit and 12th ranked cornerback in the nation for the class of 2023. So, obviously, a very you know very very high recruit coming out of high school still has his senior year left and really the final two schools that were going to kind of in contention to land Justin was Notre Dame and Georgia which a lot of people really had think a lot of people really thought Notre Dame was more high up on his board but Georgia ended up landing him now he does have a great frame at six foot one and 185 pounds obviously going to Georgia will probably put on a little bit more muscle mass and then also you know, above that, he is an above-average athlete that also does show well with his, you know, ability to change direction, and he's also an amazing zone coverage corner that could be very physical when need be. So, great pickup for the Georgia Bulldogs, who have kind of had an, you know, an inconsistent offseason to say the least. You know, losing defensive coordinator Dan Lanning to Oregon, and then obviously offensive lineman coach Matt Luke, you know, stepping down from the program. So, there is some good news for you, Georgia Bulldog fans. Now, the next news we have is regarding. A four-star quarterback Malachi Singleton out of Georgia and he has committed to the University of Arkansas so Sam Pittman and the Hogs are making some great pushes this offseason obviously addressing a couple positions that you know needed some assistance getting guys like Dwight McLaurin, the um, former quarterback for the LSU Tigers and then also getting another uh, SEC caliber safety in Latavius Brini who comes from the University of Georgia and they just continue to rack up a decent amount of recruits, most notably getting Drew Sanders, the former Alabama linebacker, who was a high four-star coming out of high school, and then getting former Oklahoma wide receiver Jaden Hazelwood after, you know, Spencer Rattler, Lincoln Riley, and all them ended up leaving Norman. So I'm really excited for what this, you know, the future of Arkansas football looks like. I definitely, definitely, most definitely think they will be a top 25 team this season, if not possibly top 10. I mean, I mean, yeah, I know the fact they are in the SEC is going to be a little bit challenging for Sam Pittman and them simply for the fact you are going to be playing Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and all these amazing teams on a consistent basis. But I do think the Hogs will definitely have, you know, a step up above a couple of these teams, specifically Florida, who hasn't really gotten a step in the right direction so far with Billy Napier in the recruiting, 
you know portion of his head coaching tenure right now with the with the Gators. But nothing less, Sam Pittman. I love what he's done with Arkansas so far, especially after the whole Chad Morris era that you know did happen in Arkansas. I think he's revitalized this program and definitely expect new heights to be taken this year for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Now the next news we have it's regarding former four-star recruit and Alabama defensive back Kane Williams. Now coming out of high school, Kane Williams was the 176th ranked player in the class of 2021. He was also the 11th ranked safety in the class of 2021. So obviously this was his freshman year this past year and didn't really see too much playing time. I mean, it, it is Alabama. Normally freshmen don't, you know, break out of the gate immediately, but I guess he does want to take his talent somewhere else as Kane Williams is entered the transfer portal. Now he does have a very good frame for his safety. He's got great height and he's pretty decently built, you know, kind of like a Sam or not Sam Cam Chancellor built kind of safety. Um, he does struggle sometimes as a tackler, but he is a great ball hawk because he had 10 interceptions in his first two years in high school. So obviously that's something also to look forward to for a team that does pick him up. But yes, he still does need to fix his tackling as it can be inconsistent sometimes. Now, nothing less, I think he will be an impact starter for whatever team he does end up landing on. Watch out for USC as they still need to build some depth at the cornerback positions and or just, I guess you could say as a whole, the whole secondary because, I mean, they really didn't, you know, gain too much from the transfer portal and even recruiting-wise besides former Oklahoma cornerback Latrell McCutcheon. Now, for the next news we have, it's regarding former four-star and Ohio State cornerback Lejond Cavazos, which I'm very sorry if I did, you know, butcher that name. I'm <laughs> unfortunately I am Southern, so I kind of kind of makes it a little bit harder for me to you know pronounce some names. But Lejond, he did play two years at Ohio State. Didn't really have a lot of playing time, but was kind of solid in the times he did play. He does have great frame at six foot one and 196 pounds. Probably could put on a couple more pounds, maybe, but nothing less. Still is a decent frame. Now he was part of the 20, the class of 2022, as he was ranked the 350th best player in the class and the 26th ranked cornerback in the class so decent pickup for Ohio State back at the time but as he kept getting pushed down and pushed down and pushed down down the depth chart you know LeJohn figured hey it might be best for me to go somewhere else and that's exactly what he did a couple months back now LeJohn on Tuesday he had or not on Tuesday, I'm sorry guys, on Monday he had committed to the University of North Carolina so he will be joining Mac Brown and the Tar Heels I love this simply for the fact that North Carolina, they need to improve on their defense and specifically their secondary as they would pretty much, I think, gave up an average of about 40 points a game last season in the ACC. So that definitely was something of concern for Mac Brown and his squad. But definitely getting a guy like LeJohn Cavazos who did play at IMG Academy, you know, the powerhouse in Bradenton, Florida. So this is a good step for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels by going and getting the former four-star and highly touted recruit coming out of high school now the next news we have and this is regarding a, another high I mean, this was a highly recruited kid coming out of the 2021 class and that is former four-star wide receiver cody jackson and he ended up committing to the university of oklahoma back way in 2019 before you know i think during his sophomore year now he was ranked as the 110th ranked player in the whole country and the 17th ranked wide receiver in the class of 2021 so obviously a very I mean, very, very good recruit. Um, a lot of people compared him to Marquise Lee, the former USC Trojan. Now, this is all coming off of 27 Sports, so I want to shout them out for being able to give me this information. Now, Cody didn't really see, I mean, pretty much any playing time during his one year at Oklahoma, but a lot of people, when they did scout him, they noticed he does have great height. He is lean, kind of as a CD Lamb-type build. 
Um, he has a great 75-inch wingspan, so obviously he's able to make those catches that you know a lot of wide receivers you know, and coaches love to see them make. He's capable of winning the ball in traffic, high points well, great ball skills, and can line up outside or possibly in the slot, so can be used kind of as a dual wide receiver, which that obviously will boost anyone's defense. So definitely expect him to probably be a, a multi-year impact starter for whatever school does land him, possibly I would say a Pac-12 school, UCLA, maybe Texas because he is from Richmond, Texas, as he went to Foster High School. Um, definitely would be interesting to see him transfer from Oklahoma to Texas because that would spark a lot of lot of fan you know, drama, but nothing less another highly touted wide receiver is entering the transfer portal. So the next college football news we have, actually, and this is regarding former Ohio State safety Bryson Shaw. Now, Bryson Shaw has been a multi-year starter at Ohio State. He's been I'd say, in my opinion, pretty solid for the Buckeyes in the past three years that he has played. He did end up ending, entering the transfer portal about a couple weeks ago, especially after Jim Knowles. He is the new def defensive coordinator for the Buckeyes, the former Oklahoma State defensive coordinator. It seems like he's kind of cleaning ship with all the guys that are transferring out on defense. So I guess Brian decided to do the same as all these other guys. And then, you know, he ended up actually committing to Lincoln Riley and USC, which is a huge get, like I said earlier on in, in the episode, about how, you know, USC, they need a lot more secondary help, specifically the corners and some, and even a couple safety positions, but nothing less, great pickup for the Trojans. And now to kind of wrap up the college football news that I did have for today's episode, I do want to kind of re reiterate, I guess you could say, some of the spring game news that we did talk about, specifically like the Caleb Williams you know, how, how he's doing right now at USC, which obviously he looks like he's going to continue to ball out for Lincoln Riley at USC. And, I mean, it doesn't really come as a shock. I mean, he showed huge glimpses of, of you know, being a star at Oklahoma and even in college when he did play up in D.C. And, I mean, I think it's going to continue to carry over for him at USC considering he does have his former Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams with him also. And it's just it's gonna be really impressive to see him, especially when fall time comes around and you start seeing fall fall practices, you know, start to warm up again. And yeah, so nothing less, guys. I do hope y'all did enjoy today's college football segment. And now let's head into some NFL news. And we actually, you know, our first news of the day is gonna be involving the New York Giants. Now the New York Giants, they are reportedly shopping wide receiver Darius Slayton. Now, this really doesn't come as a shock as, you know, that wide receiver room is so incredibly stacked now. And the fact that they also are shopping their 2021 first round pick, Kadarius Toney, as well. I mean, we had figured for a long time that, you know, Kadarius was going to end up replacing Darius simply because Darius has kind of slowed down, I guess you could say, production-wise for the Giants. And hasn't looked like the same him in his rookie year when he came out of Alabama. But nothing less, he is still a very talented wide receiver, and I definitely would expect for him to still have some trade value. I mean, there's going to be a team that's going to want him, especially in the outside, as he is a speedster, you know, track athlete, and nothing less will be a great, you know, great pickup for whatever team does end up trading for him if he does end up getting traded. Now, about Debo Samuel, and I know that you're kind of like, well, that's just random. We aren't. This episode's not going to be really about Debo Samuel, but while I am thinking about it, I do want to, you know, get it out there. So apparently. Um, 49ers front office, their GM, John Lynch, he has apparently uttered multiple times now that they aren't going to trade Debo Samuel despite him already requesting a trade due to his contract situation and the fact that he doesn't like the way that the 49ers are using him kind of as a you know hybrid running back slash wide receiver, which I can't really blame him because in college he mostly just played wide receiver and his whole playing career has been at wide receiver. And this year was kind of, you know, weird for him because, you know, 
the run, the um, 49ers, they kept struggling with running back depth. I mean, they went to a fifth-round pick in Elijah Mitchell, who, yes, will probably be the 49ers' future back for the next couple of years. But, you know, they still needed someone else besides him, and they had to go to Debo Samuel. And it was very successful. He put up first-team all-pro numbers, had a Pro Bowl year, and, you know, was due for a huge payday. So, I mean, if I was him, I still would continue to want to play that position because that's where he's going to get his money. Not necessarily that's the only position he'll get his money, but if you all remember his rookie year and the year after his rookie year, he mostly dealt with injuries, didn't really play. So he doesn't really have a track record you could, like, fall on necessarily like some of these guys do that are, you know, begging for it. But nothing less, I do think that he will probably still get traded because I don't think the 49ers are going to want to pay him the $25 million that Debo is wanting. So just just continue to kind of update y'all on that situation. Now back to the whole Darius Slayton thing. Uh, it does make sense because they didn't get rid of Sterling Shepard because they told him, hey, you're either going to um, restructure your contract so we're only paying you about a million or we're going to have to trade you away. Obviously, Sterling and them got it fixed, so they will be keeping Sterling. And I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of confused about if they're getting rid of Kadarius, they're getting rid of of, of Darius, or they're getting rid of Kadarius, they're getting rid of Darius. That's literally, oh, man, to the mouthful to say. They're getting rid of both of their speedsters. Who else are they going to have? Kenny, Dall Kenny Galladay did not look like Kenny Galladay last year. You know, who we got so familiar seeing f with the Lions. Obviously, that's probably due to the fact that he had Matthew Stafford as quarterback in Detroit, but still, Daniel Jones obviously is not the greatest quarterback ever, but the fact that he didn't even have a touchdown reception on the year and he was coming off a $75 million contract definitely did not look good for the Giants' front office. But I just, I'm just confused because, I mean, I understand Kadarius may not be the easiest to deal with, but at the same time, he has immense talent. He has immense speed. He's very agile and will probably be one of the better wide receivers, especially speedsters in the league. So I definitely do think they don't need to just give up on him after one year. He could possibly end up being like the next Tyreek Hill, in my opinion, which I know that is a huge thing to say. But I could see it. I know a lot of people could too. So I definitely understand probably getting rid of Darius Slayton. As you know, he is starting to age and he's starting to kind of decrease in, in production. But you need to keep a guy like Kadarius Tony, who can literally be a game-changing wide receiver for you, who can also play in the slot and the outside. So, nothing less. Just wanted to let y'all know that the Giants are continuing to shop all of their wide receivers. Now, the next news we have is regarding the San Francisco 49ers and their star defensive end, Nick Bosa. Now, unfortunately, Nick Bosa during the 2020 campaign, you know, the COVID year, he did suffer a torn ACL and only played in one and a half games. But bounced back this past year, almost you know, almost could have possibly won Defensive Player of the Year with the the amount of sacks he had. I think it was like 15 plus, you know, some insane amount. Now the San Francisco 49ers, they will be picking up Nick Bosa's fifth year option in his rookie contract, which will cost the 49ers 17.8 million dollars this season. Obviously, not really shocking because he probably would end up getting paid. 20 million plus, you know, be up there with guys like his older brother, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, um, you know, DeForest Buckner, you know, all those guys, right? So he will end up getting his payday, but the San Francisco 49ers doing the smart thing. They did pick up his fifth-year option. Now, next news we have is regarding the New York Jets. The New York Jets, they're also exercising their former first-round pick, number three overall, defensive tackle Keenan Williams, the former Alabama the former Alabama Crimson Tide defensive tackle, and he's been okay during his NFL career. I'd say he's been one of the more solid defensive tackles, 
not not Pro Bowl level good, but has been probably above average. And the Jets, they will be picking up his fifth-year option, which will cost them about $10.75 million. So, I mean, nothing bad. I mean, I definitely do think if he kind of has just an eh year this year, they will let him go after this year, but nothing less. At least keep him for another year. Worst-case scenario, he breaks out, and then you have to end up paying him a decent amount of money or, you know, end up trading him before the trade, de- trade deadline gets some value out of him before, you know, he ultimately ends up leaving in free agency to get paid somewhere else. Now, the next news we have, it's regarding the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have exercised former first-round pick and defensive tackle Ed Oliver. They've picked up his fifth-round option in his rookie contract, which will cost them about $10.75 million. So, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it's like at the, till, until the end of this week or Monday of next week, teams have to pick up on um, players' fifth-year options. So, that's why you'll probably hear me you know, talk a lot about players getting their options picked up, but... So far, I, I like these three. You know, I like the three team, the three players that are getting their fifth-year options picked up. Obviously, they're players that the team has utilized since they drafted them, and nothing less. I think it's weird saying the Jets made a good move for once, which they did in this situation. So, but yeah, guys, that is wrapping up today's NFL news. Not a crazy amount to discuss. Probably, I'm hoping by Friday or even on Monday's episode of next week, we will have a little bit more to talk about, especially the whole Daniel Jones situation, because. The Giants, they still haven't even picked up his fifth-year option yet. And like I said, I think they have to about Monday of next week to pick it up or he will, you know, play on an expiring contract. So now that we have finished all of our NFL news, let's finally get into some NBA news. And most specifically, the Brooklyn Nets and their complete breakdown that was the first round against the Boston Celtics. Now, going into the 2021 season, many people had the Brooklyn Nets possibly easily winning the um, NBA Finals, being up there with teams like the Phoenix Suns and Golden State Warriors to, you know, be able to contend. And for the most part, it looked like that until about mid-season when they started having a weird little losing streak, which we did not expect, especially from the Brooklyn Nets big three and Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. And then we all saw how before the trade, do- trade the trade deadline, James Harden decided that, hey, he doesn't really feel comfortable playing in Brooklyn anymore. You know, he never feels like all three of them can play at once, which was technically true, whether it was Kyrie Irving, his vaccine standoff, or Kevin Durant and his injuries, and James Harden, obviously, and his injuries. It just never really seemed like a great fit for the Brooklyn Nets, so they obviously ended up shipping James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for two first-round picks, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and and um, Ben Simmons. Now, Ben Simmons, he kind of had a standoff situation with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I, th- I, th- was, I think it was contract situation as well. He didn't feel like it was, it was weird because we really don't know exactly what was going on. He said mental issues, which I understand. But at the same time, I think that was also a kind of a, 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 I guess you could say, something for him to lean on as an excuse for not playing. And it just both teams, they needed a change of, you know, change of scenery, and that's what they got. Now, Ben Simmons, he's been dealing with some type of injury. I've heard back. I've heard leg. I don't know what it is. Half, I don't think anyone really knows what he's dealing with. But he pretty much sat out the whole regu- the whole regular season, didn't play one single minute for either team, and same thing in the playoffs. He you know said, okay, I might be able to return game four. Completely lied. He decided not even to be on the bench during the game. So definitely did not look good for Ben Simmons. As a lot of Brooklyn fans and a lot of people in the Brooklyn organization, they're already kind of turning their backs on Ben Simmons, saying, hey, 
you know, you could have at least tried, you know, so we wouldn't get swept. Or, hey, we could have easily come back if you decided to, you know, come back and we could have your presence on the court, which he is a great defensive player. Now, obviously, his offense is a little shaky, especially his last couple years in Philadelphia. But he is mostly known for his defense, which obviously Brooklyn needed more than anything. And it didn't help the fact either that Kevin Durant shot 9 for 24 from the field in game one and Kyrie Irving shot 12 of 20 in the first game. And pretty much from that point on, they just continue to shoot absolutely horrible because in game two, they continue to have a lot of miscues when it came to shooting as, you know, Kevin Durant, he ended up shooting 4 for 17. Kyrie Irving shot 4 for 13. And it just was not good. It was not good at all. And both of those players had under, you know, 25 points. So it just, there's. A, I think there was a lot of Brooklyn fans that were worrying, like, okay, going into next year, what are we going to expect? Now, I do think that another reason why Ben Simmons did not play in Game 4-2 was simply the fact that, hey, he probably was already, ex already expecting a sweep. There's no reason for me to risk, quote-unquote, injuring myself even more. So I'm just going to wait it out. We're going to get swept nine times out of ten, even if I am playing, because obviously Jason, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and the Boston Celtics, they're just unstoppable right now. So I guess they kind of just waved the white flag, and they went on with their way. But Brooklyn, there's no reason to be panicking. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, if they do re-sign him to a you know contract extension, they will be good next year. Hopefully if Ben Simmons can come back from whatever he's dealing with, he can come back, and they would be awesome. You know, because then – Think about it. Ben Simmons won't have to be that number that number one man role that he was in Philly alongside Joel Embiid, which I think that's what Ben wanted all along. So there's still a lot of things to look for next year. As also, you know, the Brooklyn Nets they did get two first round picks from the Philadelphia 76ers, which they could also use to trade for, you know, a key piece that they need on their you know offense or on their not offense. I'm thinking of football. I'm so sorry, guys. That they're going to need, you know, down in the paint, possibly with the big man, because I don't know how Andre Drummond's situation is. I don't think they'll probably hold on to him. I think they'll they'll let him go. But definitely going out there and getting a big man would be huge for the Brooklyn Nets. But nothing less. Boston, Boston, they advance, and I mean, Boston has a legitimate chance to win an NBA championship this year. And I'm not just saying that just to say it. I mean. Jason Tatum is playing MVP-level ball, and Marcus Smart obviously just won Defensive Player of the Year and well-deserving. He played fantastic so far, and the Boston Celtics are just clicking, so continue to watch for the Celtics to dominate. But, yeah, the Nets, they are officially hitting Cancun, and definitely was a disappointing season. You know, them and the Lakers probably are the top two biggest disappointments of the year because, I mean, we just, they, they were both expected to end up being, you know, finals matchups you know the Lakers versus the Nets possibly and both ended up either not making the playoffs or getting swept in the first round so very disappointing year for both teams now the final news I do want to talk about and it is baseball news we're not going to go into any scores or anything because there's so many games to go over but I do want to mostly talk about some highlights and some other little things first thing I do want to talk about is the fact that Angel Hernandez is still the worst umpire in MLB history that Milwaukee and Philadelphia game was absolutely horrible to watch. The amount of calls he butchered, I think it was like 19, 19 calls were completely wrong. There's probably more, too, but that's just off one of the trackers the MLB uses. So, I just, I don't understand. I know the union protects him, and that's why he still has his job as an ump in the league. But, good gracious, there has got to be something done when it comes to Angel Hernandez because he just continues to make bad calls after bad calls. And Kyle Schwarber, you know, who just got recently acquired by the Philadelphia Phillies via free agency, 
he decided, hey, I'm tired of this. You made bad calls all night. And he went off on Angel Hernandez, you know, told him stuff that he probably didn't want to hear, but it was true. So I just – if we continue to see stuff like this from Angel Hernandez, I think it does need to be addressed by the MLB no matter what the union says. There needs to be some form of action because he's costing a lot of teams games that they need to win, especially how stacked the NL East is for the most part. It, it should, I just don't understand it. But since we are discussing the NL East, let's talk about the New York Mets. Now, the New York Mets, they have been completely going off this year. They currently have a 13-5 and record and are currently first in the NL East, which obviously is something they hoped when they went out and paid Max Scherzer that humongous amount of money. They went out and got Starling Marte, and then obviously they got Francisco Lindor a couple seasons ago. And so far, they've been looking pretty good. They've won six out of their eight last ball games, which are a series against the San Francisco Giants and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And currently, they are in St. Louis, and they won the first game of that series as well. Now, Francisco Lindor has completely changed around his year this year with the New York Mets compared to last year with a .294 average, with a um, slugging of .529, and he's just with a 1.2 war. So obviously, the Francisco Lindor of Cleveland, they are finally getting. He also leads the team in hits. Pete Alonso still playing, you know, really good ball. Currently leads the team in RBIs with 16. Francisco Lindor also, he leads the team in home runs with four. And then Jeff McNeil, who's slowly emerging for the New York Mets, has the best batting average with .316. So, I mean, this New York Mets team could be dangerous. Now, I know we are just starting the season. We are only about 20 games in so far. So, obviously, I tell you with a grain of salt. But the few acquisitions, not few acquisitions, but the acquisitions that the um, New York Mets got over the offseason have been huge for them so far and could definitely lead them to possibly a pennant and maybe even making it to the World Series. So definitely the New York Mets are looking really solid. Also their cross-town cross, uh, rival in the New York Yankees, they're looking really solid as well. So there's a lot and a lot of good teams this year in the MLB, you know, not, you know, not considering my Texas Rangers because they're ugh. But they're slowly heating up. I mean, hey, they're slowly, they're slowly getting a little bit better. But nothing less, guys. I hope y'all did enjoy today's episode. I know I enjoyed making it for y'all. I know there wasn't a lot of news to talk about, and I might have been rambling for most parts. But I do still want to be able to talk sports with y'all, still give y'all the news that y'all need to know. And I thank y'all for all the support y'all have shown me, no matter whether it's following, rating, just whatever it might be, nice comments. I thank y'all for everything that y'all have done. Um... In Friday's episode, I'm hoping that we will have a lot more exciting news to discuss, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever it might be. I'm hoping we're able to get into a little bit more news. But guys, I I do hope y'all that I do hope that y'all have a fantastic Wednesday. I hope y'all do have a fantastic Thursday. Hope y'all continue to do amazing things, and I will see y'all back here again on Friday for the week's final episode. So I hope y'all take care, and I'll see y'all then. Peace.